For most that are not following after Jesus, there's this thing that's impeding the connection. Watch this. For most, as we do attempt to follow Jesus, there will be something or that thing in your life that's worth more than your relationship with or a lifestyle of following after Jesus, at least to the extent that you have to pause and think about it. pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're jumping into a brand new teaching tonight. It's taken out of Mark chapter 10. We've titled this, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Hey, here's a question I want you to ponder with me as we go through this teaching. Suppose just suppose that Jesus Christ would come down and gain an audience with you right now. And he would say of you, there's one thing I require of you. Now, keep in mind, this is Jesus Christ sitting before you. And he says, there's one thing I require of you. Most folks probably, if they understood who it was before then, would say, what is it? What can I do? Anything. You just ask me, what is it that you want me to do, Jesus and Jesus says, I want you to sell everything you have, give the proceeds to the poor, and then you come follow me. What would you do with that question or that command, as the case might be? Well, watch this, that Jesus has said that to each and every one of us. And how are you dealing with that particular statement, that mandate, that command from Christ. Boy, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? We look around and we see all of our stuff and he wants us to sell that, give it away and come follow him. Well, let's see how that's going to turn out. I want to read uh, just a couple of verses in your hearing. This is our text passage taken from Mark chapter 10 and then we're going to jump right on into it. Please don't turn me off or flip the channel uh, right now or click uh, this thing off because you've heard what we're going to talk about. Stick around. This is very important. Go with me to Mark chapter 10, verse number 20, and the Word of God puts it this way. Teacher, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Look at verse 21. One thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. You see that sequence? We're going to look at that in some detail, the Lord willing. Jesus makes us an offer that we really can't refuse. Father, I thank you so much for each one that's turned on this telecast. And I pray in Jesus' name that by your word you would speak to our hearts. Teach us about your way, your will, your purpose for us. And I pray that each one of us might purpose to pursue that with a reckless abandon, we pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless.
worth pointing out to you. The main character of this passage is described very simply as a man. A man, that's not very descript, is it? We aren't told his name, that isn't given. We are not told where he is from. You can speculate about some of that, but we're not told where he's from. We're not told about his family, one way or the other. We're just told a man. Later in the account and in some of the other Gospels, it's announced that this man was young and he had great wealth. We aren't told how young and we aren't really given a lot of information about what great is in terms of great wealth. Luke, if you read Luke's account, you'll discover Luke advises that he was a ruler and that helps us because if we go to the original language, the Greek words are called it helps us understand that this man was a preeminent ruler, a chief, a commander with some authority and with some influence over people in this particular jurisdiction. Now, Mr. Ellicott, in his very fine commentary, gives us this, and I quote, it seems to imply that he was a member of the council. Now, as you read through the New Testament, you'll come across the council. Perhaps, depending on what version you're looking at, you'll come across Sanhedrin from time to time. And we know that the Sanhedrin was, for lack of a better way of saying it, the court system for Israel during this particular time. There were about 71 members and some localities had some smaller courts, if you please. It consisted of about 23. So he was a member of the council or the Sanhedrin. The term youth, everybody say youth. The term youth is defined as including the period between the ages of 21 and 28. Now, for some of us, that really is young. For some of you, you're thinking, boy, them people are old. <laughs> but between the ages of 21 and 28, the council, the Sanhedrin, was probably open to such one who was, watch this, both wealthy and devoted. No doubt this guy was pretty aggressive. In terms of what we see here, I would say that's true. Probably a type A personality. What we might refer to today as a go-getter. Are you with me? Yeah. I was accused of being a go-getter once. <laughs> when my wife got off work, I'd go get her. <laughs> but this guy was a go-getter. We also know that Paul, obviously, the Apostle Paul, obviously occupied a position of great influence at a time when he too was described as a young man. You can read about that in Acts chapter 7. We know that Paul was a go-getter. We know that Paul was a zealot, very zealous after the things of Judaism and then later after the things of Christ. Number one on your study notes, here's something to consider. The emphasis of this story really isn't the man. There is an underlying principle being probed. And this is very important. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. There's an underlying principle being probed. There's a lot of emphasis placed upon the man's obvious wealth. And we're going to talk to you about that a little bit as we move along this morning. Now, let me draw a line right there and say this to you. 
where Bible stories and Bible illustrations are submitted. And you've got to know that during the time of Christ, there's a lot of things that happen even in the life of Christ that were not recorded for us. Are you with me? Yeah. But where Bible stories and illustrations are submitted, whether they reference a generic man or actually feature a named Person. In both cases, the principle highlighted typically has a universal application. In other words, I could insert my name into those stories. You could insert your name into those stories. We can read verse 17 this way as Jesus started on his way. Terry ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. You could put your name in the blank. By the way, and this is just a little parenthesis, I would encourage you to read the Scriptures, to read the Word of God that way. Plug your name in. Make a personal application. Do not read it as just a history book. It entails some history, but how many of you know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? There are universal applications. What can Terry learn from applying this? What can you learn from applying this? I am a man. So that part of it kind of catches my attention. I'm not a ruler in the political sense as this man was. Honestly, I think I can say to you compared to the typical political leader today, I do not have great wealth. But compared with some of those pastors that uh, I fetched out of the hills down in Haiti several years ago, brought them down for some training. I am exceedingly wealthy compared to them. But it's all relative, and you get that, I'm sure. This young leader that had amassed some stuff, obviously, approached Jesus, and he asked this question. You can find this in verse 17. Good teacher, what must I do? Let me pause there for just a second. That's usually the question. What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? I think it's very interesting, his choice of words. To inherit eternal life. Number two on your notes, fill this in with me right quick. Like somehow he had acquired material things. We don't know how. Had great wealth. But now, after the fact, Look at your neighbor and say, after the fact. After the fact, he was interested in acquiring eternal life. Now watch this. My assumption here is that he was serious in his inquiry and his questioning and trying to reach into this character that we know now as Jesus the Messiah. Some people in his position come to Jesus and try to trap Jesus, which was not very smart. Can you imagine trying to trap God? Yeah. Duh. But I assume that he was very serious. I do point out that it's interesting that most persons, you'll have to decide whether you fit into this equation or not, but most persons are like our featured character, are like the man. They purpose to amass material, earthly wealth before coming around to this question regarding eternity. Now really, isn't this the one fundamental question that's pondered by all humanity? 
How do I acquire eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So you see, I can relate to this man, and so can you. Is that not a question that you've asked or pondered? Jesus' response to it. In fact, right off the very get-go, Jesus kind of straightened him out a little bit. I love it when Jesus does that. And then he got back. Verse 19, look at this. He says to him, you know the commandments. Of course he did. He knew the rules of the game. And then Jesus put forth, if you know anything about the Bible, you know he put forth a sample listing. He didn't list them all. He didn't need to list them all because this man is a member of the Sanhedrin, knew them inside, outside, and upside down. Indeed, if he were a member, he knew this. In fact, he knew that the Messiah was coming. He knew this. But I don't know if he had concluded that this Jesus that he was talking to was the Messiah. I don't know that. The wealthy Jew responded happily. You see this in verse 20. Teacher. And he recognized that Jesus was a teacher. All these I have kept, all of these commandments, I have kept the law, I have kept these things since I was a boy as far as Judaism is concerned. I've got it down pat. Just get out your little checklist and check these off. And Jesus responds. Look at verse 21. There's five things here I want you to see. Jesus responds, one thing you lack in order to inherit eternal life. That was the question. One thing you lack. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. You understand that order? Isn't that incredible? One of the shortest but most impactful sermons in all of Scripture. One thing you lack, sell what you have, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The contemporary English version says it this way, there's one thing you still need to do. And that brings me to number three on your study notes. Fill that in with me. One thing you still need to do, go sell everything you own. Wow. There's usually a death-like silence when the preacher preaches on this. Today is no exception. Mm. Preacher, did you have to preach on this at Christmas time? <laughs> yeah, I did. There's a method to my madness. Hey, listen, this is an incredible story. An incredible story. Consider this. Consider if Jesus were to come to you and say to you today, come, follow me. And by the way, maybe he would say something like, I want, you, I want you to sell all that stuff that you've amassed. Sell everything that you have and then come follow me. Have you had that conversation with Jesus? Hey, you. Sell everything you have and come follow me. This hit me this week for some reason. I'm going to modify this just a little bit. Perhaps... Uh, think with me if Jesus would have modified this a little bit and would say something to you like, hey, come follow me. And by the way, pack up all of your stuff and bring it along. Can we admit that sounds much better? Mm -hmm. Doesn't it? 
Doesn't that sound much better? In fact, doesn't it just make a lot more sense? It's reasonable. It's rational. Rather than get rid of all of your stuff. But that's not what Jesus said to him, is it? He said, one thing you lack, sell what you have, give it to the poor. You have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Go sell it all. Give the proceeds to the poor. Wow. I want you to note what the shrewd dude did not say. This rich young ruler, as the case might be, he did not proclaim, wow, that's a great deal. <laughs> did he? That's not the way he responded at all. Number four on your study notes. Listen, the question has been asked. Is this command, this command, is this command levied at the young, wealthy ruler, is it a universal command? I would say to you this morning, yes, but. Yes, but. The principle certainly is universal. We've been now hammering around that quite a bit this morning. Watch this, beloved. You may not be young. I am not young anymore. I still think I'm young in my head until I start to do certain things and I find out I'm not very young. You may not be young. I am not. You may not be a ruler. I am not a ruler. You may not have an overabundance of stuff. Again, I have some things. Perhaps you have some things. You may not have an overabundance of things. You may not even be a man. But, regardless of who you are, you do need eternal life. Can I get an amen right there? And you need instruction on inheriting that. Again, I think it's an interesting use of phraseology. You should and you do need to follow Jesus Christ, whoever you are. Do you know I'm finding out in, out in the community today as I talk to certain people, there are a lot of folks, some of your family members, perhaps some of the people that you work with, they do not feel worthy even to walk inside a church house. They do not feel like it's in their mind that there's no way they can spend eternity with God. It's just not a place where someone like them can go. Watch this. They're partially right. In their present condition, they can't go there. Neither could you. The most spiritual one of you looking back at me right now, I mean you check off all the boxes. If you peel back your shirt, there's a giant S. Super Christian. You the man. But by your own merits, you couldn't get there either. That's right. What? That's not what that preacher on TV said. Didn't he lie to you? For most who are not following Jesus, not in a relationship with Jesus, there's this thing. Hmm. Sounds like a great subtitle for this message, doesn't it? The thing. Everybody say the thing. For most that are not following after Jesus, there's this thing that's impeding the connection. Watch this. For most... As we do attempt to follow Jesus, there will be something or that thing in your life that's worth more than your relationship with or a lifestyle of following after Jesus, at least to the extent that you have to pause and think about it. Hmm. 
Matthew Henry said this. I try not to bore you with too many commentators, but he had this right. Quote, many have a great deal in them that is very commendable. Isn't that true? We know people, we know they're good folks when there's some good things about them. Most people have many things in them that's very commendable, yet their spiritual demise will be decided by one thing. I believe Richie, I know him well enough now to call him by his nickname. I believe Richie wanted Christ. And I believe that he wanted what Christ offered. I really do. Watch this. He wanted it on his own terms. Hmm. Mr. Henry said this, but he didn't say it like this, but it helped me to form this. Many who leave Christ or walk away from the church, walk away from Christ, they are reluctant to do so. They're not happy about it. They're torn about it. But after a long struggle between their convictions and their thing, everybody say the thing. After that long struggle, the thing wins out. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Does it make sense to you? Mr. Henry did say this quote, they are very sorry that they cannot serve both. But if one must be quit, it shall be their God, not their worldly gain. <laughs> Folks, I would say to you, you've heard this so many times from this pulpit, the love of the world in some form or other usually lies at the root. The love of the world. It goes back to the heart. Number five on your study notes. So many run to Jesus and they actually bow before Him momentarily. And as they presume, they do, as they do so, they presume to put their plan before the Master. Watch, think about this. Are you guilty of such? Lord, here's my plan. They dangle their plan before the Master, hoping in their vain strivings that Jesus is somehow going to respond, Oh, I never thought of that. God, now I could use some of your resources, some of your ideas. Come on, let's talk. Isn't that silly? Well, listen, beloved, trading places with God, and actually that's what that is. Let me do it again. Trading places with God is not the goal. And if that has been your goal, can you be encouraged to stop it? It's not going to turn out too good for you. Trading places with God is not the goal. The goal is living in a relationship. Whisper to yourself, relationship. Relationship. Come on. Relationship. Living in relationship with God toward the end of being a reflection of Him. Understand, you hang out with Him in such a tight way that He begins to reflect in you. Does that make sense? You ever notice how you hang around certain people? You start to talk like them. You start to act like them. You start to like the same restaurants and so on and so forth. I've been hanging around Donna for 40,000 years now. And I'm starting to think just like her. It's amazing how few arguments we have these days now that I'm thinking like Donna. <laughs> Can I get an amen to you? Beloved, here's something to think about. God always goes to the heart 
not the things on the outside. That's very difficult for we human beings to deal with that because we're all about the outside, the things that we can see with our physical eyes as opposed to those things that we have to deal with from the heart, from the inside, spiritual things. Most people, repeat after me, most people, you'll have to de decide whether you're one of them or not. Most people put off dealing with the inside things until the bitter end. In fact, some put it off so long that they never get it taken care of. I want to come back to you right now and ask you and plead with you to take care of the inside things, the heart issue, your relationship with God. Here's what I believe the Bible teaches and what uh, this whole passage is dealing with. When you get your heart right with God and you follow after His Son, Jesus Christ, and you live your life according to His purpose and plan for your life, then God begins to bless in some ways it's unbelievable. Now, you can do life two different ways. We can start with the things on the outside and pursue those things and not deal with the inside. And in the end, we end up a hollow, reckless, hot mess, as my wife would say. Or you can deal with the things on the inside and follow after God's plan for your life. And ultimately, God will bless and bring the things into your life that you really desire, the things that you need and the things that will fulfill you, not only in this present existence, but bring to you eternal life in the world to come, the life to come. And trust me, every last one of you listening to me right now, including myself, we're going to spend eternity somewhere. We're not just here for a while and gone and that's it. There is an eternity beyond the grave. Where have you made preparations for your eternity? I trust it's with God. How do you do that, Pastor Terry? By becoming a follower of Christ. You do that by confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, opening up your heart's door by your own will, opening up your heart's door and inviting Jesus to come in and you believe that He'll do what He said He would do. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How awesome is that? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one listening right now by whatever means. I pray specifically for those that's just going along, chasing the external things and not dealing with the hard issues, not dealing with their relationship with you. May right now be the time where you convict them and they purpose in their heart to turn to you and let you guide their life and let you bring into their life those things that they truly need, those things that will truly make them successful in terms of following after your purpose and plan and ending up in your heaven at some point in time. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And listen, beloved, if you've made a decision... Based on what we've just said, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, uh, just this past week, I was out uh, in one of the shopping centers, out in the marketplace, and within 20 minutes' time, three people stopped me and said, Hey, are you Terry Knighton? Are you a pastor? We watch you on television. Oh, we appreciate that so much. It's so, so wonderful to know that there are people out there listening as I just talk to this camera here in the uh, studio, so to speak. We'd love to hear from you. There's a... Uh, web address there on the screen uh, you can contact us through our website and i'll even put my uh email address up right now there it is magically 
uh, send me an email. Let me know what's going on with you. If you have some questions about what we talk about on New Life, legit questions. I'm not talking about arguing. I'm not going to argue or debate with anyone, just not going to do it. But if you have some legit questions about the Word of God or what we've talked about on the program, we'd love to hear from you. Again, the email address is right there. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. I'm wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?